Hey, Olivia. Hey, Ashley. Welcome to Drunk of the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. Awesome. Well Should done. We cheers. Yes, let's cheers. All right. <laughs> Every single time that you do that against the computer, it like literally makes like a... <laughs> so this, um, these past two weeks, we've been reading Notorious RBG, The Life and Times of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yay. By, is it Erin? Irin? I think it's Erin. Erin. Oh, because yes, I heard that interview. Yeah. Thank you. Erin Carmon. Car- yeah. Oh, shoot. Now I forget the last name. Erin Carmon or Carmen. And Shanna. I don't know. I feel bad. But they're fantastic people. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> and this book is awesome. Really great. Uh, so, what did what did you like? Well, I just want to start by saying, like, RBG is just a badass. I know. So, obviously, that made it really easy to like this book. I know. Um, I, I liked, I, like, made a few tiny notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked RBG's, like, tactics, the way mm-hmm. that she went about things. I liked the be a little deaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, when in marriage, but also in her career, she yeah. realized that piece of advice from her mother-in-law. So great. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, though, like, you don't learn things in a day, so you have to take these ideas slowly. I think they called it, like, her go-slow policy. Right, yeah. Yeah, I really, I liked those ideas, and I like they kept bringing that in as they talked about each different concepts. That's something I thought about a lot because I was like, I feel like in terms of like, if you're going to be revolutionary, I think there has a tendency, there's a tendency to be like, uh, the four bearers, the four mothers and forefathers of revolution sometimes went too slow, you know, like they could just like act in the moment. But I think that like realistically the way that she went, like Step by step, her whole process or her whole idea was like you have to take these cases to the Supreme Court and sort of lead step by step to the logical conclusion, which right. the logical conclusion for her was like equal rights for men and women, and like right. feminism is good for men, women, everybody um, right. in between. And like, I think that it's like she was so effective because of that step, the, the way that she took it step by step, because of that philosophy. And kind of, I guess, as was pointed out in the whole Roe versus Wade decision, it was like, mm-hmm. if it was pushed through so quickly, it, it didn't have a stable of, like, a foundational base. And thus, we're still having this conversation today, yeah. like, at this very moment. Right. Yeah. Gosh, it was so enlightening and depressing to kind of go through all of these um, different issues that we're still dealing with yes. right now and see how, you know, I, I knew how long we've been dealing with this and yes. I knew that these have been issues forever, but just to like see the years that this was happening and right. like, you know, especially hearing like RBG continuously dealing with these same issues for so many years. Right. It's just shocking that we're still dealing with reproductive rights and gay rights and like right but again it's like she's a badass and it's really exciting to have a woman 
that's still fighting. Totally. I think one of my favorite sections was, I don't even know what it was called. I could go back, but I'm not going to. Um, I mean, the section where it's talking about how, like, she started being the dissenter. I guess it was... Oh, right. It was around the time when everybody was, like, pressuring her to step down and then the court really had a change in its makeup, like a notable difference because of all of the new appointed justices. And she was like clearly disturbed <laughs> with the way that the court had turned. And she was just like, all right, like I'm established. It's I'm going to I'm going to lay down the dissents. And I was like, yes. And I just yes. loved it. Love that section. Love that. I guess that that period of time is really when I've been most aware of the Supreme Court in general. I mean, just my age and the fact that, like, I'm probably not the most civically engaged, which is something that I'm not, like, saying proudly or anything. But, you know, like, I I never knew of RBG as, like, the moderate justice who she seemed to have been, like, what she seemed to have been viewed as at the beginning. Right. Like, she's so always been a... Badass that's in my mind. kind of amazing mm-hmm. that she was viewed as a moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that really works to her advantage, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I thought that was really amazing. But yeah, no, that section's really great. I yeah. actually, like, put a little post-it on the list of everything that she... It says RBG descents. Yes. Like, review again. Because I wanted to, like really sit there and read through it. Also, like, scary and, like, frustrating. What is that? Page? Pages? The list is on page 148, 149. Like, ugh. I mean, I can't really imagine being in her case, or in her, in her, like, position, in her seat for a while there. You know, she's, like, the only woman justice, and she's just like, what the fuck? You know? (laughs) I'm trying not to yell this time. (laughs) But, you know, she's just, like, she's basically, like, calling out and saying, like, obviously the court speaks as one. Obviously, I'm not in the majority. I'm a dissenter. But, like, for the record, this is fucked up. Like, basically, just like, hey, I'm speaking directly to the people of the USA. This is fucked up, people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But I want to see... Oh, shoot, there's, I mean, it's just exactly what you're saying. There's a few different section, mm-hmm. sections in here where I just put, like, exclamation points next to it. Because right. it's like, oh, my God, this is an idea that we're still talking about. Totally. Like, she has to be the only one there that's like, come on, guys, like, can we look at this? Right. Can we really look at what we're doing right now? Right. Well, like, uh, she was talking about that case with the girls who were required to, like, be strip-searched. Oh, right. And yeah. she was like, um, yeah, I think none of the male justices, like, have any idea what it's like to be a girl at that age. Yeah. And also, it's just like, ugh. I mean, I can't even get into, like, the male justices in general. <laughs> like, I cannot get started on it. Right. Ugh. I also, it's just crazy to me. Like, I can't understand... The opinion of that not being wrong. I know. I Why know. would you ever strip search a child? I know. I know. Especially like, and who was that Kennedy who was like, "Well, we got naked all the time. Things were put in my underwear." And then he's like, "Oh wait, no, that's not what I wanted to say." I know. I just like stared at that paragraph for a second. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, they put things in my underwear all the time. I mean, wait, no, like maybe I put stuff in their underwear. They've <laughs> got underwear, and it's like, what? Uh, this is the Supreme Court. This is oh what's going on right now. Uh, <laughs> like, I know. I know. Just listen to RBG. We shouldn't strip strip search this kid. I like, know. Please no. I know. I know. Oof. It's just like, oof. Just reading that list of all of the things, all of the things she had to dissent on. Descent, she dissented on verb, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Um, it's just like some of those decisions that the court made. Obviously, it's like a lot of these I was somewhat aware of, like having listened to the news or read them, especially in the last maybe like five to seven years right. um, of just being an adult. But I think that, at least for me, I'm just going to speak for myself, I have a tendency to, like, hear about this, get really up in arms in the moment, and then kind of, like, move on and be like, okay, that was in the news cycle for a while. But it's, it's like the precedent is so important. The precedent that is set is so important, which I obviously know logically, but really just kind of looking at the mass of of these cases, it's kind of, like, horrifying. Yeah, so... To be honest, like, I really didn't know much about the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. before reading this. Like, I got the general idea of how it worked, but it was never anything that I spent a lot of time, like, researching before. Right. Um, And again, same with, like, RBG. Like, I knew who she was generally. Right. But I just didn't ever spend the time looking into the Supreme Court and, like... Totally. Really listening to what they were doing. Um, But then as I was reading this, I was like... Oh my god, I totally remember that happening. Uh-huh. Like, I can't believe that that was, I don't, like, that, that was the Supreme Court dealing with that, and now everything's kind of, like, making sense. Like, right. I guess I understood it before, but, like, hearing all of these stories back to back to back. Right. Saying, I was like, oh my god, like, this is crazy. I feel like this is a, a really good primer on, like, the workings of the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Like, I think it was written in a really, like, straightforward way. I know we talked when we first started reading it about how we were like, ugh, there's a lot of legal jargon right at the beginning. (laughs) But I think once once I got past it and it kind of, like, transitioned into, like, some background in her life, Mm -hmm. and that kind of, like, drew me in. Obviously, I was already drawn in. But, you know, it continues. And then I feel like they wrote it, or, I mean, who was the main writer? It was Iran, right? Yeah, Iran. Um, she wrote it in a way that was super engaging, and I loved those excerpts from um, her dissents and from her her writings of, like, the um, opinions yeah. that had the notations on the side, because I thought that was, like, I, I thought it was really accessible. Mm-hmm. Legal jargon is a whole other language. I think... Right. Um, it was, it was acknowledged that our RBG does not think it should have to be like, she's very straightforward and I think that's awesome, but still, even so it's like kind of challenging. So I really appreciated those little notes. Totally. I was going to say the same thing. You know, we're both English majors (laughs) and I went into poetry because I like hated having to add so much extra language to my (laughs) ideas. So when she was like, Oh, I got rid of all my adjectives and like. Oh yeah. She would try to be super straightforward. I was like, yes. Oh my gosh, I love that. That reminded me of like, uh, what was it? There was like a point in high school, I think, where some teacher left a note on one of my essays that was like, 
try to be more concise. And then after that, I was like, concision is key. And I just like, <laughs> then I had trouble like expanding my thoughts. And I was like, no, it's, I'm just being concise. I'm just being concise. <laughs> oh yeah. Always trying to pull that one. That one. <laughs> really concise with my thoughts. Just really put everything in this one page. It's poetic. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I appreciate those little side notes also. Um, because it definitely, I tried to read it all without reading the side notes. Uh-huh. Um, and when I'm having a hard time understanding something, I read it out loud. Uh huh. Yeah. It forces me to kind of go slower. And that is another skill that good readers have. Is it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I found myself like sitting there trying to read this out loud to understand, and I was like, "Well, maybe I should just." read it now with oh yeah information that they give me on the side (laughs) it was really helpful yes I really appreciated that and this oh my gosh so like my background is not in government or um you know law or anything at all obviously as you mentioned we're both like English majors and I'm a teacher now of English (laughs) um but when I was in high school, I I was part of mock trial our school's mock trial team that's right I remember that two years Yeah, oh, yeah, the coffee mug. And that was my first introduction into law, like the practice of law, obviously. And I was kind of more into it for the drama part because I was, I did like drama and theater. Um, but I like incidentally became very interested in law and for like half a second was like, maybe I should become a lawyer. Um, and it was, it was like, a, it was a good intro to like, what goes on in the courts yeah. and the effects and just like what it, what is the importance of precedent and, and what happens as a result of like how information is presented. Um, so I really, really loved reading the sections where it was kind of more biographical and it was talking about RBG's like young life as a lawyer yeah. who yeah. was, um, you know, going before the Supreme Court and helping out with the ACLU. And I was just like, damn, so badass, so mm-hmm. cool. Kind of made me wish I had gone on another path, you know? Oh. <laughs> reading this and then also having my store burgled. Oh. I'm and I'm like playing detective in that. I'm like, oh man, like I want to get involved with this. Like I'm good yeah. at arguing. Like I can argue my point if I wanted to, <laughs> or like maybe I should be a detective. Like I should have picked all these different paths. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been very eye-opening. Totally. <laughs> but, um, no, I kind of forgot about the parts of her as a young woman. and mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Actually, just before I go into that, mm-hmm. let's talk about her and Marty. <gasps> yes, I wanted just to make sure we talked about her and Marty for the sure. The greatest. Yes. So good. And, like, you see that already when they're in their young new marriage mm-hmm. with a baby. Like, they very much support each other. And, oh, yeah. You know they work with each other to go to the schools that they want to go to and make time to take care of the kid and like, um, you know, do the things that either they want to do or needed to do to make their family survive. Um, and I just love that like by the end, Marty is like half proud of what he's done to allow his wife to like have this career. He's Mm -hmm. kind of stepped aside to support her. And, um, like I think he made a joke of like, uh, your wife having the career you really wanted or someone else makes that joke to him or something. And, right. Um, oh God, I love them. It was really interesting because 
like, I was reading about their relationship, and I was like, wow, this is super equitable. Like, this is amazing. But I was like, there has to be, like, come on. They didn't just, like, do it perfectly from the beginning. And so I was kind of feeling like, ugh, is it is it too perfect? And then they got, like, they kind of... um Expanded on the points of when Marty was, like, a high-powered corporate lawyer making money. And RBG, like, for instance, when their son got in trouble for going in the (laughs) elevator or something at school. And, like, to the school administrator, she's like, he has two parents. Here's the dad. Here's, like, my husband's phone number. And she's (laughs) like, I'm I'm trying to do so much stuff right now. Like, I'm, I'm, like, a lawyer. I'm teaching at Columbia. I mean, I don't remember all the things she was doing at that time. But, like, at any point in the early marriage, she was, like, going to law school, um, working as a lawyer, working as a professor, working for the ACLU. You know, like, she was doing so much. And I'm not saying that he didn't have a hard time time but it seems like obviously for a man in that time it was probably like he got into his position and he worked hard but he didn't have as many battles to fight right and so I really do think that like at the beginning yes it was like when he goes he's like in the air force was it or I don't remember which department it is but they do end up living on a military base right they go off and I think one of them maybe him maybe Marty mentions at one point like this is this is how we, maybe it's just the, the author, but saying, like, they were isolated and they were able to, like, become oh, so yeah. close because they were so far from family. And I think, you know, obviously that was a sacrifice for both of them. But I think to a certain extent he had, like, this opportunity in their young marriage to really, like, you know, take off his career. Right. But I think that, like, I don't know, like, how, beyond that one anecdote, I don't know how deeply it went into it, but, like, I think she kind of was like, okay, now, now it's me. Like, she went off to Sweden, you know, like. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome, too. Yeah, I even remember during that same section where they talk about the kid getting into trouble, Mm -hmm. which, side note, was so funny when (laughs) the school stopped calling him because they're like, your son stole the elevator, and he said, how far can they go? Oh, yeah. (laughs) like super snarky that was funny but um they there was like a few not super subtle but Mm -hmm. kind of i don't know i guess i'll say subtle for now comments about her needing to be the cook oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, they're like yeah mom doesn't cook anymore and like she made a tuna casserole that like no one could tell what it was but she still felt this responsibility to be yes a cook for the family yes. um, and yeah I don't remember exactly what led to the change but I remember I think it was the daughter Jane at mm. one point says this is the last time mom will ever cook <laughs> yeah um, and that's when Marty like takes over totally comes the, the cook for the family which it, it's I mean yeah again for being such a balanced couple mm-hmm. and having um what seems like a very healthy relationship and for them being both such powerful people, like she still did feel the obligations of, you know, getting home, making dinner for her family, right. Taking care of the kids on top of her. I think she, no, she wasn't in the Supreme court yet. No, but you know, she was, she was a grandma by the time she was nominated for the Supreme right. Court. So I think she was in D.C. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, at the same time as being like, I want to, I don't know, like, I would probably read a whole book that was about, like, their, like, relationship. 
Yeah. And I think part of, like, my desire or, like, my interest in something like that is I'm always kind of looking for, like, relationship goals, you know, like, hashtag relationship goals. Just, like, you know, like, not from, like, some, like, young celebrity couple and even to an extent not from, like, my friends and family, but, like, or maybe family, but, like, established couples. I want to see, like, how how people work through, like, the whole thing that is it being in a relationship long term because like people are individuals being an individual long term being in, having an identity long term is like challenging so I'm always really interested in seeing like okay what's the what's the details of like successful you know like monogamous relationships totally. or I don't know if it has to be monogamous but you know like you know what I'm saying right Ideally, for me, it would be a monogamous relationship that I was looking into, but yeah. That's what I'm into personally, but. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I agree. Um, They seem like really great role models, and even Mm -hmm. she refers to him as her life's partner, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, And there was a line I was trying to find, I don't remember exactly where it is, um, when they are talking about um, gay marriage, mm-hmm. how, you know, it doesn't make sense to view marriage in the old school way that we always have, because right. if we looked at it in that way, even her marriage wouldn't have totally held up to that standard, totally. um, because women didn't have an identity of their own in marriage, so marriage has already changed right. a lot, yeah. um, and I really appreciate that, because I don't think... I actually thought about the ways that marriage has changed enough already mm-hmm. to like not be able to hold up that right. argument. Right. Um, like that argument just definitely exists anymore. Right, and that kind of <laughs> that kind of brings me to like another concept or like another thought that I had as I was reading it because obviously RBG is in a generation that is like not our own mothers. Right. And I think she's even older than well, definitely your grandma, and I think yeah. my grandma too. Or yeah, definitely my grandma's not eighty. Um, so she's like maybe like a full to half half to a full generation older than our even our grandmothers. And right. it's really interesting to look at what women in her generation were doing and had to do, the ways that they had to sort of and I guess this kind of connects to her like philosophy of taking it step by step. Right. Um, change requiring that step by step movement and how like the precedents that they left or like the effects of their choices and movements had an effect on like perhaps how our own mothers you know were able to function as like more free ladies and then that of course has an effect on how we are able to function as even freer and more equal women and then obviously like if we have children and who are females or who are girls or who identify as um, women, then they can function in an even more free and egalitarian way. And so it's just really cool. And I was just, I don't know, I have, I felt so much like lady pride and just like so much happiness to see as much as we can talk about how like the descents are super scary that she has to make and how like, obviously we're still fighting the fight big time. There are also so many ways that, we have so much more um, access. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just crazy to see how far it's come since she was trying to go to law school. And, like, right. that I think there's the picture of 
her, she and another woman are the only two female yes. parts of the program. They put them on either side. Right. They, like, didn't know what to do with them. Right. Um, and then, like, thinking about, I'm getting all, so, okay, this is my one thing that I had a hard time with in the okay. book is that the timeline jumped around a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so now I'm getting kind of, like, her schooling mixed up, but. Mm-hmm. For undergraduate, she was only allowed to stay in dorms. Or no, she wasn't allowed in dorms. She had to get her own housing. Yeah. And then for graduate... Switched. Something like that. Switched, yeah. But, yeah. like, just there's so many rules about this because it was not something that had to be dealt with before. Yes. And it kind of reminds me of... So, like, who was that guy who was the professor or, like, he was the dean of students at Harvard, who was like, no, you'll figure it out if you'll figure it out. You know, when she was trying to be like, Marty has cancer. Oh, like, right. can he, like, have a grade that's based on before he was dealing with cancer? Like, no, he has to figure it out. And then when she was like, right. we're moving, like, can I transfer to Columbia and, you know, take my last few credits there? And he's like, no. And then even, like, further on in the career, like, he yeah. was he was another person, like, God, what's his name? I'm looking through my notes. I don't remember I really loved how they kept on coming back to him and like how he really viewed himself as like really supporting women he was like the first thing I did when I became dean was make sure we get women in and it was kind of like he then like sat back on his laurels for the rest of his career and was like nah I'm I'm good I did my good thing right and he was kind of a jerk and I maybe it was him or maybe it was a different professor it might have been a different professor who told her um like she was in a class and either she said this or a classmate said it. It's on page, like, 36 or 37. I don't know. Um, some woman started with, I feel that. And the professor, like, interrupted and was like, women feel, men think. And that really reminded me. I don't know if you remember oh, this. Oh, McGowan? <laughs> no. No, I was going to. She does a whole lecture on this. I was, well, I was going to talk about how, I don't know if you remember, but when, like, we were at Mills, there was, like, a WASC accreditation team that came through. Because they were working on, like, accrediting the school. And I just remember, like, one of the, like, things that they reported was they were like, oh, you're doing, like, cool stuff. You're working hard to, like, be inclusive. That's neat. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like that. But, you know. <laughs> but the main, That's neat. Whatever. <laughs> the main thing that I remember hearing was that the accreditation team was like, when we sat in on classes... The women were not forceful enough. They were, like, ending sentences as questions. They were saying, I feel, instead of I think. Like, it was basically the same argument. And right. I remember thinking at the time, like, which classes did they go into? Like, have they been in any? Like, that doesn't sound like my classes at all. It's just, so I was I, so mad at the time. When I, it was my first class with Kim McGowan before I even thought I'd be an English major. Uh-huh. Um, and she gives a whole lecture on it about how women tend to start their answers with qualifiers, whether right. it's I feel or I think mm-hmm. or maybe but or whatever it is. Right. And how she wanted that to be our focus to not do that. Right. And I tried to carry that through the rest of my time at Mills. But mm-hmm. if you... I don't know, maybe it was just during the first few years, but I really, you do hear that a lot, even in classrooms filled with women. There are two lines of thought there. One line of thought is, okay, because in a man's world, that is viewed as not strong. You need to change the way you speak. Or the other line of thought is, we just need to value that that's the way that women can express themselves, or men, or anybody, and it can be valuable too. 
Which I agree with. Um, oh my gosh, the Bernie Sanders campaign will not stop calling me. Whoa! Yeah, it's like maybe you should answer it on air. I'm not registered down there. Oh, sorry. Wait, are you red? Where are you registered? Alameda. But the Orange County Bernie people are calling you. Yeah, they call me every day. <laughs> and I'm like, this is really great, but wait, like, can thanks I... for calling, but I can't. I've decided this is like. <laughs> This is not a political thing, but it's just something that for some reason makes me laugh. Whenever I see an old, white, bald man, I just refer to him as a Bernie. So, like, if there's, like, an old, white, bald man, like, in, like, traffic in front of me, I'll be like, oh, that Bernie in front of me. And oh my it's God, not I love like, it. I don't mean it politically. I just, it makes me giggle every single time. That's really funny. So, yeah, if I, I refer to a Bernie, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, so great. <laughs> um, okay, back from Bernie calling me. Um, the burn. <laughs> Olivia, answer your phone. That's, that's my really bad Bernie impression. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, seriously, every day. They just um, want you so bad. <laughs> um, shoot, what was I saying? Sorry. Uh, oh, Kim McGowan, and yeah, so I think I feel. I don't think that there's anything wrong with starting a sentence with I think or I feel or mm-hmm. it might be or whatever you choose to start it with. Right. But I think her argument was more like if you know the answer. Totally. You don't need to start with I think that the answer might be. Right. You can feel confident enough in yourself as a woman or, a or as a human yeah. that you should be able to stand up against men in totally. a room and start your sentence with, the answer is... Totally. Whatever. Um, that also reminds me of, like, I mean, because I teach ninth graders, and they're very used to having, like, they write they write their essays, like, in the conclusion, I will tell you about. You know, like... And, right. I think that, in my opinion, and I'm always like, please just, like, take that same sentence and cross out in my opinion, or I think. And so it's kind of funny that I'm definitely, like, trying to teach that, and I'm embodying that in my own way, too. Totally. My English teacher in high school, I think probably ninth or 10th grade, said the same thing. He was like, I obviously know that this is your opinion, because this is the paper that you turned in. It has your name on it. Right. So you don't need to also put, in my opinion. Right. Because it's not a fact. It it clearly is your opinion. You don't have right. any sightings for it. Like, right. this is your opinion. And also, it's just like, I'm always telling them, like, you don't sound confident. If you say, I think, or maybe, right. you don't sound like a confident writer. And I totally get that that's true also in a conversation. And I think that, like, Kim McGowan is probably trying to, like, prepare us to utilize the tools that we can then, you know, succeed with. Because... We do live and interact in a world where there are those judgments. And if I, as a woman, answer a question with a sort of, like, lilt at the end of my statement that makes it sound yeah. questioning, then, yeah, I will be taken less seriously in many different um, environments, you know, in many different uh, circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can get back to RBG. Yeah, I think that was mostly it. Oh, gosh, I also thought it was really amazing her um, always trying to say that this isn't just about women's liberation, it's about men's liberation also. And then a group of feminist women were saying that she, um, oh, gosh, now I'm getting it all wrong. 
Or maybe it was men. They were saying that she never makes it about men. It's always focused on women. And she was just criticized before for focusing too much on men. I think it was around the time that she was nominated by Clinton, Mr. Clinton, um, to be a Supreme Court justice. And it was like, there was a lot of feedback that was like, ugh, she's too feminist. But then there was like equally angry feedback that was like, ugh, she doesn't care enough about women. (laughs) Right, right. Ugh. Yeah, just funny. like that moment, I was like, you can never win. No, no. Just, you can never win. It's always a problem. Oh, I wanted to also mention that, like, one thing I super duper love about her is that, like, she's always recognizing and acknowledging the people who, like, on whose shoulders she stands, but oh, also, yes. like, like, so people who were came before her on whose shoulders she stands, but also, like, she is super, um, I guess egalitarian age-wise. And, like, I remember there was a part I see. I need to take – I need to put post-its on the pages so I can refer to exact pages. But this was about when she was nominated. And um, it was, like – she was, like, oh, yeah, I don't know. It's not something I want to pursue. And one of her clerks was, like, listen, this isn't something that's going to fall into your lap. Like, if you want it, you need to pursue it. And it was, like, she she learned that valuable lesson from, like, a young feminist clerk. And so, like, at multiple points in her career, it was, like, she was, of course, inspiring others who came after her. But she was also, like, super-duper willing to allow for, like, the, the, um, the transverse to happen. Like, for the inspiration to come from those who came after her, too. Right. Yeah. And I think she actually mentions that. Because there's a few times that she mentions the people, like, I actually have it here on 55, she uh-huh. said, um, she wanted to make it clear she was standing on their shoulders. Yes. But then later on, she does say Paul some Murray. kinds of, like, uh, honoring the people that come after you also. Totally. Is what you were saying. But yeah, I, I totally respect that. And I love, it just, like, is so positive and so supporting and just fantastic in so many yeah. ways. And actually, to kind of cross-connect back to um, last time we had our podcast and we were discussing Amy Poehler Uh and how, um, like, Seth Meyers mentioned something like, it was amazing that when Amy was going into labor with her first child, she calls or texts me to say, like, you're going to do great, everything is fine, and just, like, 100% supportive. Right. And I totally saw a lot of corollaries with RBG. I did, too, actually. Yeah. (laughs) There was a lot of, of really nice crossover there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she's just a great woman. I know. And I kind of love how she's known for being such a workaholic. Yeah. Like, I know there's, like, kind of a stereotype. It's, like, a working woman who just, like, doesn't have a personal life because she has to work so hard. But, like, fuck, she did have to work really hard. She's a Supreme Court justice, and she's done a lot of other stuff in her career and her life. So, like, yeah, she works hard, and I just kind of love that she's unapologetic about it. Totally. And I, oh, that was another thing that I loved about her relationship with Marty. Mm -hmm. Like, I think they said, what's the best advice that he's given you during your career? Uh Uh-huh. She said, making me come home for dinner or go to sleep. Yeah. And his response was like, well, you always need to eat at least one meal a day. It's good for you to sleep, too. So true. Like, it's just great. Yeah. I just loved her. I love her. She really reminds me of, like, this teacher mentor that I have who's not the same age as RBG, but, like, she's similarly, like, just fantastic woman. 
unbelievably supportive of like people that came before her and who come after her. Um, yeah. sort of prim, you know, sort yeah. of proper. Um, but like, this is like a real life person. I know who I really look up to. And so as I was reading, um, the book and learning more about RBG, I was just like, Oh, you know what? Like, I think sometimes I have a tendency to be like, I want to like allow the wild side of me to come out. But I also like want to allow like the structured, like hard worker, like old lady side of me to come out too. I know. I noticed actually during the few days, last few days that I've gone into work, um, that I've gone to work and all my employees are like, oh, you look so nice today. And I've like <laughs> worn a necklace with my button up and like done my hair. And like, just there's something about like, not only is she like a strong, powerful woman that like, you know, holds herself accountable for all of her ideas and uh-huh. hasn't really swayed from that ever, um, except for once, which I'll get to in a second. Ooh. But she also presents herself in a way that she's like, no, I'm a respectable woman and mm-hmm. I'm going to dress nicely and I'm going to like, go out and like always put a hundred percent into everything that I'm doing. I was like, Oh, I know. And like, yeah. wear those bibs and go to personal training sessions and just like <laughs> yes. generally kick ass. Yes. And I love that her, uh, I don't know how to say that word, but the colors, was it jab, jabbing? I have no idea. Jabon? I have no idea, but <laughs> maybe it's French. <laughs> Jabon? <laughs> maybe uh, it's Spanish. Jabon? <laughs> Wait, French. that was, like, no, Spanish like, and French. Habon? <laughs> um, but, but, like, she wears one every time that she dissents something. Yes. And then she has one for for all of, what was it, like, the mass... Uh, I don't remember. Oh, like, the general public or something. Oh, there was no. one for, like, something else. And- that reminds me of... I've read this one article, I don't know, it was like Glamour or Vanity Fair or something. It was about this woman who was like, hey, men wear suits, they have like uniforms, but I as a woman always have to like figure out what the fuck to wear. I read that too. Did you read it? And she was like, this is going to be my uniform. And I read that and I was like, damn, I want a uniform. Like I want to have like the fancy ass silk shirt that I always wear and my like fancy ass pants and like my go-to. Obviously I don't do that, but I just thought that was kind of cool. I don't either, but that is similar to what I was doing the last couple days. Oh, I wore power. like a green button up, buttoned all the way up with some stamps. Stamps, or a black one. You know, turned it out. Okay, that's good to, <laughs> good to know. Um, shoot, I'm trying to find that moment though. Where she what? Where she? Is she a bad I, woman? Again, <laughs> it. it <laughs> you know, she. Uh, this birthday cake wine is making me feel feisty. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. That should be their slogan. <laughs> their slogan should be like, it tastes so bad, but it makes you feisty. <laughs> Black Forest oh, cake. Okay, something about... Oh, man, that's right. I put it... One of these is so shady. What is so shady? When she um, didn't make the cut for the second circuit because she applied to two courts, even though she was told that that wouldn't affect her application oh, yeah. process. That was shady. That was just piss me off. But there's okay, so there's a moment where she says something. Oh, the fight for civil rights of people of color. Is this where she's like, I don't make that argument anymore? Yes. 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 Where is that? Why can't I find it? Ooh. That kind of reminded me of our talk last time about Louis C.K. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, we'll we'll like learn from mistakes and move forward and acknowledge it. And I was like. Right. Okay. 
This is what I like about people. This is like helpful for me to see like, what do I like about these powerful people? What can I like incorporate into my own life? Oh, here. It's with the... the <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, what page? The same laws applied to racial or ethnic minorities would readily be recognized as invidious. What page are you on? 57. Okay, wait. Invidious would be my guess, too. Invidious, yeah, and impermissible. RBG would later stop making this sort of argument as she, in her own words, became more sensitive to the distinctions that all oppressed people are not oppressed in the identical way or the same degree. Intersectionality, man. So good. So good. That reminds me of Polly Murray, the woman who she talked about, like, standing on her shoulders. Oh, yeah, I have a lot of post-its around her, too. I was like, whoa. I don't... First of all, I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in civil rights history, but, like, I've never even heard of this person, which goes to show that, I guess, like, basic high school civil rights education did not give me enough. Um, She's fantastic, and I really want to know more. I know. Well, I've made a lot of notes of, like, all the people I'm going to spend hours Googling later. Totally. Yeah. And, again, that comes back to RBG just being, like, a real G in the fact that she's like, this is not something I did by myself. And to, mm-hmm. to pretend that it was, would be erroneous. Like yeah. I want to make it clear that I'm standing on these other people's shoulders. Right. Well, and like, so she added Holly Murray and Dorothy Kenyon to the authors. For- yes. And that was like not done. Right. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's so just good. not done. And he's, Called it a violation of the canons. Ugh, can we like, talk about canon? <laughs> God, like, really? Ugh. What an extreme statement for I like know. adding two authors' names to this idea. No, that's oh. so. Ugh. Oh, I love that she did though. She's like, "Hey, acknowledge, acknowledge." Yeah, that got the given credit posted. <laughs> love it. Um, since we should probably be wrapping up soon, yeah. um, I wanted to acknowledge another really big part of this book, which is, like, the memification of RBG. No, duh, yeah. And how, like, the really cool thing about this book is that, like, it is not just full of memes, it is, like, a really good, as we've mentioned, like, intro to how our court system works and an intro to like this amazing person that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, like there's the bio part and there's a lot of yeah. background on the Supreme Court and the appeals courts, etc. But then also like the whole like catalyst was the notorious RBG meme, which right. is another fantastic thing that has like occurred and I kind of wanted to like acknowledge how interesting it is like how how to put this. Um how, like, the memification, which is, like, where you turn something complex into something simple and funny and, like, reproducible and it, like, sort of gains viral activity on the internet, how it can, like, raise awareness of, like, more complex and interesting issues. I don't know. It was just, like, it was really interesting that it starts with a meme and then it turns into, like, more people being aware of, like, RBG and who she is and also, like, what's going on at Supreme Court, which, like, hello, that's probably really good for people to be interested in. (laughs) We should be aware of this, yeah. Right, and then it expands to, like, this very, very good book, um, 
that is, like I said, a very good intro to kind of more information about our court system. Yeah, totally. No, that's a great point. I can't believe we haven't even brought that up until now. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that the fact that she has become this meme and there's all of these different, you know, you can get t-shirts and there's things that are on the internet and there's yes. artwork and hats and everything that like... Yes. It's tattoos. This tattoo. Right. There's tattoos. Which, I mean, sometimes I feel very inclined to get, like, a Kate Bush tattoo. I don't know, like, if I'll ever actually do that. But I do understand the desire to be like, oh, cool lady. I want a tattoo. Right, right. (laughs) Gosh. And the baby I just sent. Oh, it's just so good. I like all of the, um, like, the wraps and the operatic parodies yes in the appendix that was hilarious i really wish that this had come with like an audio it was just gonna say that yeah like i don't know i'm sure you could find something online but it'd be cool like i know it's we're past the days of like books coming with cds because that's so passe but (laughs) (laughs) that's true oh god but if it came with like i don't know like here's a link to listen to this Opera, that would be pretty great. Oh, and we haven't really talked about Scalia. I mean, personally, I don't really think that he's worth talking about too much. Yeah. Their friendship, great. Like, I think it's really cool that they were able to, like, bridge the distance. But at the same time, like, I genuinely know a lot of people who, like, rejoiced at his death. And I get that that's, like, not a nice thing to do. But, like, he brought a lot of badness. Well, so the I have only a better way of saying that, but I'm just talking about. What? I said, I have a better way of saying that, but I'm drinking cake, so. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm, like, deep into a bottle of Andre, so this is not great, but. Ah! um, (laughs) I think that the only thing we really need to say about that is go RBG for being able to be friends with people. I know. And not have to deal with politics yeah and i also recognize that that's probably a privilege of us being younger ladies who have grown up in an environment where like we can be like "Mm, nah i'm not gonna fuck with that business (laughs) but like you know they both love the opera and so they go see operas together which is very sweet or they did go they don't anymore right maybe she maybe i don't know seance (laughs) (laughs) but like i respect her for being able to like hey I don't like, or like, I don't agree with what you say, yeah. but we both have the same passion yeah. for something. Like, let's enjoy it together and be that's civil humans. True. Ugh, I guess that's true. But I totally agree in that, like, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and maybe that is a privileged part of... Well, I also like that she, like, kind of hasn't really made a secret of not being a fan of Chief Justice Roberts. Like, even though she was, like, you know, Scalia's my homeboy. Like, we go on vacation together. We, like, go on top of the elephants together, which that is amazing, too. Why is he sitting in front? And she responds with, because of weight distribution. (laughs) It is really funny, because he looks ginormous, and she looks miniature in that picture. Page 116, listeners. (laughs) In the picture of all of the justices. Oh, I know. 110. I'm like, yeah. wow, she is the tiniest thing. I know, like, you can see the chair behind her. I was her. about to say, oh, I didn't, when I was looking at this, I was like, well, why is her chair so big? <laughs> <laughs> but like, even, oh, wait, oh. even on that page, this is the quote they have that she said about John Roberts. 
I think the current chief is very good at meeting and greeting people, which, like, that is, like, oh, I love how shady that is. Yeah. She's, like, uh, he's very good at, like, being fake. Um, always saying the right thing for the remarks he makes for five or ten minutes at various <laughs> gatherings. That is, like, the best. So good. Best. She's, like, yeah, he's really good at saying the right thing for, like, those five minutes that he has to interact with people. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and RBG has said she hopes Roberts might be teachable on the issues that matter to her. Oh, I know. So good. Yeah, I love that that's, like, not a secret. Like, I don't, I mean, obviously the author's of this book like have a say and like a way of like framing it but there is like nothing positive that they could put that she's done about him like yeah. nothing about roberts that could be said that was good the, same with is it alito alito uh-huh. alito yeah um alito rolled his eyes and made faces in the courtroom while rbg read a dissent to his opinion It was his natural reaction, but probably if he could do it again, he would have squelched it, RBG said charitably. (laughs) Charitably, yes. But um, I also want to acknowledge that I think it's really cool that they have that section about her personal trainer being like, she's tough as fuck. And I remember when she had, when she like went to the, um, to get that stint put in. Like I remember reading or hearing about it maybe on the radio and they were like, yeah, she was like at the personal trainers when like this happened. And then like, even in the news, like the news malay of like lots of words, they were like talking about how like she immediately went back to personal training (laughs) and I was like, damn, she can like, she can do more push-ups than me, basically. Oh, yeah. I cannot do push-ups. I can do 20 on, like, a good day. <laughs> I'm really impressed. And she does I them, like, do regularly. Maybe one. <laughs> I love that she, they have that, like, workout. I want to do the RBG workout. Oh, yeah. Let's do it next time we're together. <laughs> we have to get a medicine ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, I have weights that we can throw at each other. <laughs> that sounds really dangerous. Oh, fun. This was a fun talk. I love RBG. I'm going to go Google her for the rest of my life. I know. I just want to hang out with her, be her. I don't know. Yeah, totally. What are we going to read next time, Olivia? We will read All Things Cease to Appear by Elizabeth Brundage. Brundage? Brundage? Brundage. All right. Brundage. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Let's get reading. <laughs> Let's get reading.